we use our intuition and help you develop yours. People are really saying, I need to be heard. I don't want to be treated just as like a consumer. I'm Richard Gerhardt. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhardt. You've just heard some bits and pieces from our show. It was an amazing show, so stay tuned for the rest. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, an intellectual property attorney specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I work at Gearhart Law and I do the marketing and I have my own startup. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everybody. The show that's all about entrepreneurism, small business, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have a very special guest, a type of specialty that we haven't had on the show before. It's Kim Woods, an intuitive business strategist. So I'm very anxious to hear the difference between a business coach and an intuitive business strategist. And because that is such a new topic for us, we only have one other presenter today, Mike Indersky, Hear Me Raw. And I'm really excited to hear about his skin products because I really think he's on to something here. But before we get to our distinguished guests, it's time for IP in the news. It's about an argument over patents in the psychedelic medicines industry. Sounds kind of funny, but this really is the direction that a lot of new medicines are going into. It's very, very interesting from a scientific standpoint. And there are people that are mad because other people got there first and patented a lot of like the starting ingredients, I guess. Right. And Um, so they're like, well, we can't just use whatever we want to make whatever we want because these other people got patents. (laughs) (laughs) How dare they? How dare they get paid for what they're doing? Well, there's a couple of companies that are involved and they're kind of famous in the psychedelic drug world. And we got this article from the psychedelic spotlight. So there's a whole industry that's building up around this now. The first company is Compass Pathways, and they created a new psychedelic molecule and got it patented. And people got upset about that, which as a patent person, I really don't understand why they would be upset by that. Some groups challenged the patent and it held up at the USPTO, but because they created a new molecule, something new and innovative, they were able to protect it with a patent. Right. So if it was just something you extracted from a mushroom, I don't know, could you patent that? Could you patent the process? Yeah, you could patent the process. So if you do a new type of extraction, you could, you know, anything that is made by humans or influenced by humans can in general be patented if it hadn't been patented in the past. But if you were just to eat a mushroom, you couldn't just patent the mushroom because that's occurring in nature, right? Right. There was another company called MindMed and they combined LSD and another drug called MDMA. And apparently these drugs are really well known in the psychedelic world. I'm not sure what MDMA is, but I certainly have heard of LSD, but apparently they're unhappy because they got a patent on the combination of those two things. And so I guess that's kind of the debate. What in the world are we going to do without new psychedelic drugs? See things less psychedelically? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I think it's time for Richard's round. Right. Richard's round table. I want to go to Mike Indersky first. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on this. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. So what are your thoughts about this? I'm no expert, but it's Molly. It's, you know, a form of ecstasy. And people have been mixing Molly and mushrooms and mushrooms and LSD and LSD and Molly because it has a very, very different effect than just doing one by itself. That's pretty much what it is. I don't understand.
understand how anyone can get IP on any of these combinations of existing materials, personally. The way the patent laws work, if you can come up with a surprising result, that is, if you have a particular combination and a particular quantity or a particular type of delivery, that could potentially be patentable. But from what you're telling me, it seems like people have been doing this for a long time. And in general, that should block this kind of patent unless there's something really unique about what they did. It's like patenting peanut butter and jelly. Processes are different than the actual end chemicals, right? Right. So, I mean, if you did a new kind of peanut butter, I don't know, you might be able to patent it if you added some chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> like some of those add, things. Add some ecstasy to your peanut butter. <laughs> I don't know. I'm addicted to peanut butter as it is. That could be really dangerous. Yeah, you know, Mike really brings up a good point, though. When it comes to patents, the devil's really in the details. And so right. these patents are long, tricky documents with lots of different little changes in them. And so sometimes even small changes in what was going on can be protectable. But that wouldn't stop somebody from combining ecstasy and LSD in the way it's been done in the past. Right. You can only protect the improvement. You can't protect what's already behind you. And so people would still be able to combine ecstasy and LSD in the past. Okay, what does Kim have to say about this? You know, I think it's really interesting if you could come up with a new way to make peanut butter and jelly interesting and let's say ecstatic experience, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say it kind of already is for me. Peanut well, butter and cherry jam. I feel like I'm in heaven. Okay, on that note, we should ask what Kenya has to say. I just wanted to clarify something. So I was always under the understanding that you couldn't get an IP on a recipe. Is that correct in the food space that you can't? trademark a recipe? I don't know who started that rumor, but I hear that from food people all the time. That's ridiculous. Of course you can. You have to decide whether you want to get a patent on a recipe, whether it's worth the money, but big food companies patent their recipes all the time. And there's nothing that's different about a recipe than any other formula. Anything that has chemicals, including food, is patentable, as long as it hasn't been done by somebody else. And that's always the tricky part with a recipe. Like the same thing with the LSD. There's been a lot of people out there using this in the past. All of those instances where they combined those ingredients are prior art and should block you from getting a patent. But it's very hard to get concrete proof of that and get it to the patent office. So if you patent a recipe, you always take a risk that if you make your cherry pie, somebody 20 years ago in Oregon made it the same way as you did. And that would defeat your patent if it were ever challenged. I think it's an interesting area because it does seem like psychedelics are moving more into the realm of drugs for treatment if they're combined the right way and used the right way. And doctors are starting to see their potential more now. Right. It's definitely becoming a mainstream thing. I would not take these unless I was under a doctor's supervision <laughs> personally. Right. You know, my fear is always, well, what happens to your brain after you take it? You know, I mean, all the horror stories we heard. Well, we were growing up, they were really popular. And you're like, oh, he dove off a building because he was so high on Did something. you see that movie where the girl was smoking pot and she ate a hot dog and flipped out over it? No. We saw that every year in <laughs> high school. And <laughs> she started, madness. yeah, it was something like that. She was like screaming at this hot dog. No, but it is <laughs> kind of scary to think of what you put in your body or on your body is in skincare, which we're going to get to later in the show. So, Absolutely. I mean, like there are naturally occurring 
manufacturing chemicals, which aren't all great for you either. And then there's human made chemicals, which some are helpful, some are not. So anyway, it's time for our guest, Kim Woods, and she is an intuitive business strategist. Kim, well, what is an intuitive business strategist? Let's start with that question. Intuitive business strategist is different than a business coach in that what we do, and I say we because I have a team of intuitive leaders with that work with me, we use our intuition. And we use our intuition and help you develop yours so that you can know yourself, like yourself, trust yourself better so that you can make more money and that you can run your business more efficiently. You can make better decisions. You can attract your soulmate clients. It's really the crux of success. The reality is intuition is part observation. Right. You want to be attentive. You want to be observant. You know, think about, think about this. We're in a Zoom room right now, right? But right. when we were working, you know, more in the brick and mortar space or maybe pre-COVID, we would be with people in a room. We would be with them in an office. And there's a lot of inclinations that we get. There's a lot of nonverbal cues that we could pick up on. Those are intuitive nudges that you can read if you're being observant. If you're self-aware and you're confident, and you feel like you're aligned and in the right space, you're more observant of your surroundings versus if you're not, and you're constantly like questioning yourself and you're doubting and you're feeling inadequate or not confident at all, then you're so much having a mental tape going through your head at the same time that you're participating in whatever it is that you're engaged with. So you're not present. That's really a neat observation. I haven't heard anyone put it quite that way before. I mean, I will say while the remote workplace has advantages, absolutely, you do miss out on a lot of the nonverbal cues and all the other types of communication that the team puts out. And I think it can be a handicap sometimes. Yeah. Well, I struggled with something recently and I'm glad to hear you talk about this and say this because I was trying to choose a person to do my website mm -hmm. and there were some problems with the contract, which he fixed after Richard pointed them out. But there were a lot of people telling me you need to keep looking. This isn't necessarily the right guy. And in my gut, I knew he was the right guy. And they were like, you've got to clarify the contract. You know, this is blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of opposition to this. And people thought I hadn't done my homework. I'd been interviewing people for a year. And many of them were website and business coaches for my own business. And I just knew. And so I did finally sign the contract with him because my gut felt like this was the right guy. Yeah. And gut instinct is that your gut is the gateway to your intuition. Your gut instinct is the first inkling, if you will, that you get, and it's very visceral. And so there is a little bit of a misnomer when we say gut instinct, because a lot of people don't feel it in their gut. They might feel a change in temperature in their body, or they might feel that the hair on the back of their neck, or a lot of people feel it in their jawline. So knowing what your instinct is trying to tell you is really important because that will help you lean into your intuition more. But Elizabeth, you're exactly right. You went with your instinct and how's, I dare I ask, I'm going to ask a question I don't know the answer to, but how is it working out? Well, so far we're just in discovery, but so far so good because he really understands all the different pieces that need to go into it. And I don't think any other people got that because I need the back end. I don't need the branding. And everybody else wanted to start with the branding. It's like an octopus. There's many tentacles. And I think he gets that. But I wanted to ask Kenya because we started this show because of Kenya. It was her idea to do this show. And she approached us. She gets all the blame. So I want to ask Kenya, did you have a gut feel about, did you like approach a bunch of different patent attorneys or did you just think Richard would do this? No, the answer to that is actually no. You're the only patent attorneys I 
had ever met. And what's interesting about that is we had met at another group of stations that I worked at and we lost, not, not lost touch, but we just kind of kept in touch over a period of, I think like a year and a half and we had reconnected and I felt like the timing was just right. So I think there's divine inspiration and I think there's timing and those two put together in combination are pretty powerful. Divine inspiration and timing is part of intuition as well. You know, we talked about observation, we talked about experience, maybe not overtly, but definitely as a subcontext. And we talked about instinct. Everybody is intuitive. Yes, I just said that. Everybody on the planet is intuitive. It's whether they say yes to it or not. So for all your listeners out there, you're intuitive. You might be very observant or imaginative, or you might believe in the divine and in the inspiration. You might have faith in religion. You might be using, you know, more from that instinctive place for that body inkling or body nudges, or you might be utilizing intuition as more of that traditional term, which is knowing something without knowing exactly why you know it. That's really the definition of intuition. We have to take a commercial break, but we'll be right back with more Passage to Profit and Kim Woods right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearheartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearheart. Special guest, Kim Woods, intuitive business strategist. So let's take the intuition piece a little bit further. Does intuition go into maybe a different, more like spiritual realm? The answer is yes. It's all of it. It's absolutely all of it. And some of us have an inkling more for that body sensory nudges or those inklings what I talked about with instinct and others have more of that spiritual connection. And they're both very effective. Wayne Dwyer, Jack Canfield, Gabby Bernstein. I mean, I can, I'm naming people that are probably well-known. Oprah Winfrey. I had the privilege of being able to see her. Granted, I was probably with a few thousand other people, but I was in the room and I was really excited to be there. And she told a story about how she wakes up every single morning and she asks herself the question how she can be of service today. 
And she's been doing that for decades. And she said that what it's done for her is it's opened up a lot of connection and obviously a lot of abundance and a lot of um, recognition in her life. And she said that when she was first in Chicago and on her first TV show, her boss lived in the suburbs and she had a yard. And when Oprah went there, she said she walked into the yard and it had six trees and she counted them. And she said, when I become successful, when I make it big, I'm going to have six trees in my yard. And then she gave it over to the divine. She gave it over to spirit. And she then tells a story that a few years ago, she was, you know, in her new, well, probably not new now, um, house in California. And she hired a tree counter of which there are tree counters, apparently. And this gentleman went out, counted the trees in her backyard, and she has 3,667 trees. Wow. And she says, if you're up to me, I would have six. But because it was up to spirit or divine, she said, I have over 3000. Wow. I'm kind of interested. You were a business consultant at Oracle. How did you get into the business you're doing now? I mean, that's a great question, Elizabeth. And it was because of divine inspiration. What happened was my son was born. He was my first child. And as any person knows, any parent knows your life is going to change with your first child. However, it changed more than I had assumed because he had a lot of issues. He had health issues, he had developmental issues, and the doctors were telling me he wouldn't be able to throw and catch a ball, he wouldn't have a normal social life, he wouldn't have a sense of humor, and it was just devastating. I thought, we're not accepting this quality of life. So I pursued... Western medicine practices, of course, but I combine them with Eastern methodologies as well. And I would, in that, change my life forever. You know, it changed me because I was pursuing things that I hadn't really ever pursued in my life. And I tapped into my intuition and I did it through like no like trust, which I'll explain in a few moments, but I had to know myself enough to defy the doctor's predictions. I had to like myself enough in order to be able to combine and weave many different strategies together. And I had to trust myself for eight long years before we saw transformative results. But he's a junior in college, he's 21 does have a great sense of humor, has a wonderful social life, and is completely on the typical spectrum. Congratulations. Yeah, that's a great story. Kenya? I'm just curious, like when it goes back to the business coaching piece, like Mm -hmm. how do you know, like what are some signs that you need a business coach? Practical question. Here we go. Brass tacks. So when you need a business coach, most people come to us when they've reached a point. They've either reached a point of frustration and they're not scaling their business. They're not growing it. They don't really know why they want to augment their team or hire more people. And they just don't know quite what to do. And they're frustrated or they come to us because they're somewhat fascinated intuitive. What now? I mean, so I base things on astrology and the stars and I do forecasting and all the things. And so they're a little bit fascinating. What I say to people is when you're reaching a point where you're feeling as if you cannot continue your growth or expand in the way that you want to, and you're looking for support and you're looking for more opportunity, that's when you reach out to a business coach. If you're interested in that intuitive space and you want to make things easier for yourself and you want to have exponential growth, reach out to us. That sounds great. Anybody in marketing and sales, it's been known for decades that your customers need to know, like, and trust you. That is true. That is definitely true. However, when you know, like, and trust yourself, it changes the entire dynamic. You're actually drawing clients to you and you're creating a synergies of alignment with opportunities in ways that you're not doing that outreach. It's coming to you. 
it's much easier. So there must be a spectrum of people that you meet who sort of have that self-knowledge. How do you help people move up the spectrum? Yeah, so we have a whole intuition development piece of our work. You know, we've been doing this for decades, right? So I've been utilizing intuition my whole life and came to know it when my son was born and really rely on it. And so people will come to us and intuition is tricky. It's like whispering, it's nudges, it's just inklings. And until you get really confident with it, you're looking for somebody to help backstop it. You know, you're looking for that validation. And so we provide that for people that are still doubting their intuition. But there's layers to it, as we talked about before. There's beautiful layers where, you know, we say yes to ourselves and then we say but right after because our minds come into the action and our minds are not programmed for growth or potential or the unknown. They're not programmed for expansion. So anybody who wants to be on that growth trajectory, your mind is actually working against you. So you want to drop into your heart, your body, your intuition, your instinct. Wow. I rely on Elizabeth for a lot. (laughs) She knows me so well. She has better insight and intuition about me than I usually do about myself. Although he doesn't always listen to me, but yeah, I do most of the time, most of the time. Like I took out the garbage this morning, like we agreed. (laughs) (laughs) So I listened to you, but let's say somebody's in a spot where they're not ready for coaching yet, or they're an entrepreneur just starting out and they have to be very careful and maybe not in the position to hire your company or a business coach, what are some of the things that you can tell them that they can work on independently so that they can help develop some of these skills? So what we like to do, again, we take more action than say, breathe or take, do yoga or meditate. Those things are very helpful. And if they're in your lane, go ahead and do them. But if they're not in your lane, what we ask people to do at the very first blush is notice about yourself when you say yes, and then you say, but. You say yes to something, oh, but I don't have any money, or it's not the right time, or my spouse or partner is not going to say yes to this too. Really become observant with that because you want to start saying yes and. So let's just start observing that. So we talked about observation at the top of this. The other thing that you want to do is you want to ask yourself, like pressing this further, what am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? So Elizabeth, you had the perfect example. That website designer, you are willing to take some quote unquote risk that seemed calculated because his contract wasn't really aligned at the outset, but you knew that you were willing to do that because you could clarify the contract issues because he was going to deal with the octopus on the back end. So that's a great example for that. And then the other thing is to ask more questions than to seek answers whenever you can. What else is possible? How does it get any easier? How does it get any better? Ask yourself those questions because you're opening up your mind. You're helping give your mind a little bit more space so your intuition can come in and you can have more of a growth orientation. You can do that all independently. Well, one thing Richard's trying to do lately, and you have to have some money to do this, is to get people to do all the mundane administrative type of tasks, like calling, I don't know, somebody to figure out how to get rid of a piece of garbage that's too big for the garbage men to take, like just stuff like that, right? He's trying to offload all of that. So do you suggest that? I mean, I I would think that would give you more time to really tap into your intuitive self if you could offload a lot of the stuff like that. Absolutely. Working to your strengths is always a good idea, right? And doing things, what's the opportunity cost for you to be doing all those mundane things? You're a moneymaker, Richard. You know that. Thank you. Figuring out what to fit in the garbage space might not be the best use of your time. And obviously I answered that from a business perspective. (laughs) But I do want to say real quickly here, people are listening to you talk about intuition and divine intervention, but you have helped companies 
build multiple seven-figure brick and mortar businesses using this technique, right? Helping people tap into their intuition. So what is the big change? How does it work? Well, so basically what you're doing is exactly what you do with your website designer. You don't, you stop listening to other people because the people that we get advice from aren't always the experts. We seek advice from people who are close to us. That might not be their gig, right? If you were to ask other people in the website space, they may have had a little bit more insightful answers for you. But when you're following your intuition, you're really going through the validation internally versus externally you have a much better guru, if you will, or an advisor next to you that has your own interests, your best interests at heart. I think that's excellent advice. And you know, what you're talking about to a large degree is self-talk. The tape that plays through your head is dispositive of everything that you do and mm -hmm. who you become and how you react. And it's taken me years to learn to pay attention to that and really work on making sure that I have the best self-talk that I possibly can. Because too much of the time, it was very negative. I was very hard on myself. I would be unhappy with myself. I'd be unhappy with other people. And just trying to change that dynamic, it wasn't easy for me, but it was important and it made a big difference. At the end of the day, it's what you decide and what you do, because that's just how it works. Absolutely. And speaking of experience, I mean, I have over 25 years of C-suite experience. So I've been in every boardroom across the world. I've done all the things with business and we bring that to the table too. So based on you and your best interests, we design the model of the business that's going to serve you the most. Awesome. Fascinating discussion, Kim. We'll be right back after this message talking with Mike Indersky about Hear Me Raw right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney. 
attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. That was just an amazing discussion with Kim. And we're going to go to Power Move, Kenya. We actually have two Power Movers, financial advisor Rashad Bilal and educator Troy Millings. They're the hosts of the Earn Your Leisure podcast. And they just created something really cool. It's called Invest Fest. And it's going to be happening in the next few weeks over the summer. And basically what it is, it's the first of its kind in-person experience to combine investing, entrepreneurship, pop culture, entertainment in a festival setting. So I thought that was like really, really clever. And what they're going to do is they're going to have a vendor marketplace for small businesses with live podcast stages and interviews from top entrepreneurs and celebrities. So far, they have Steve Harvey, they have Charlemagne the God, they have Rick Ross, they have Eric Thomas, the Wall Street Trapper, and a bunch of other financial and entrepreneur gurus who are going to be in the place. Where and when is it? Can the public go? The public can go. Tickets are on sale. You can go to investfest.com. And then as it grows, they're going to move it around. So they're anticipating about 11,000 or so people for this first round. And then they're just going to build it and grow it as it continues to scale. So excited for them. Yeah, that sounds really like a great idea. Steve Harvey and Charlemagne together. Oh my God, I would love to see that. (laughs) I mean, we watch Family Feud sometimes just because Steve Harvey is so He's a funny guy. Yeah, and he has a few different platforms he's working on too now in that entrepreneur space. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, celebrity entrepreneurship is such a thing now. Anybody who's a celebrity has a business almost, right? Yeah, that is a power move. That is really cool. I hope it comes to New York because I want to go. So Elizabeth, it's time for Fireside. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, my startup is a video directory of small businesses. And there's a lot more to it that's a benefit for the businesses that come on the directory. And it will be going out to the public. I'm going to have to rebrand, I'm afraid, though. So I was calling it Fireside Directory, but the trademark office, USPTO trademark office, has suspended the mark because it says there's too many other marks that use the word Fireside. And so I can't have it right now, but they won't say I can't have it. They're just saying we're going to sit on it. So I could just see this turning into a big, ugly thing. So So you're in trademark limbo. I'm in trademark limbo. So I'm early enough in the process. I think it's just going to be easier to just find a new trademark and find a new name because I could be in battles for years over this with other people. And you know what, if you're early, this is why you do the trademark search. It came up clear in the search, but the trademark office has other ideas. That's why you file your trademark early, because if you can't get it, then you don't waste hundreds of thousands on branding for a name you can't use. I mean, it's better to know now. And I think some of the names that you've come up with are just killer. So in a way, I almost think it's a good thing. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I have a business coach and I'm in a peer advisory board group and they're like, yeah, we think fireside's a little old fashioned. So maybe you should come up with something that's more modern, but I really have to brainstorm with the most creative person I know on the face of the earth sitting right here, Kenya. So (laughs) Kenya, Kenya's smiling right now. She's smiling. I appreciate that. And I've been noodling for you. So thanks. Let the intuition kick in, right? (laughs) This is an intuitive process. This is an intuitive cogitative process. Right. So now we are on to our presenter, Mike Indersky, and I really like what he has. So if you try to use makeup, but it affects you in a negative way, I think he's got the solution to that. I'm not going to talk too much about it. His 
company is Hear Me Rob. Welcome, Mike. Tell us all about what you're doing. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've for some reason been in this business, the beauty business, for about 30 years. I used to run Bliss, uh, which we sold. I used to be at Bird's Bees. I was a CMO there. We sold that. And I just needed to do my own thing. And I was just frustrated. And I listened to a lot of women and they were really frustrated. They don't know what to buy. They don't know what clean means. They don't know what natural means. They think packaging is overly ornate and wasteful. And that's where the idea of Hear Me Raw came up. I mean, there's people are really saying, I need to be heard. I don't want to be treated just as like a consumer, you know, because I'm not a consumer. I'm a human being. And from my standpoint, what, what frustrated me was that after 30 years, we're still selling products with ingredients which should not go on your skin, in packaging which isn't sustainable, being claims we can't keep, with prices that are too high and products that we don't need. To put it in perspective, there have been 73,000 products that have been found to have ingredients that can either be carcinogenic, co-carcinogens, or cause endocrine disruption, mess up your hormones. 73,000 products currently on the market found to have these ingredients. From a sustainability standpoint, Every year, 100 billion pieces of packaging material wind up in landfills. It's only 8 billion people, but 100 billion pieces of packaging material. This is just in our industry. So what are we doing about this? And the truth is the big guys aren't doing anything about this. So there's always going to be some really obnoxious entrepreneur who says, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it. And that's where Hear Me Raw came about. So Mike, I want to ask you, so you're basically doing skincare. Is it makeup or is it what you wash your face with or moisturize? What kind of products yeah, do you have? It's, it's all skincare. We have one thing called the brightener, which is an anti-aging, if I can use that term, mask you put on for 10 or 15 minutes. It's filled with chlorophyll and spirulina and matcha green tea and lactic acid and phytic acid and bakuchol, which is natural retinol. And it just it oxygenates the skin. It exfoliates the skin. It protects the skin. And you put it on. It's like, an, like, it's like an instant energy boost for your face. You, Your face comes to life. I use it every morning. I work out with it on and then just wash it off at the end. There's a, a moisturizer called the hydrator. It uses prickly pear, uh, which is cactus flower because nothing, nothing uh, retains water better than a cactus. And we use uh, Mackie Berry from Argentina, Mexican poppy stem cells, which are high in polysaccharides, which are great to keep moisture and energy in. And it's got coconut water, watermelon oil, and cucumber. So these are really powerful, powerful ingredients. And when you look at what the synthetic brands use, they'll use for their moisturizer, typically you look on the back of the label PEG. And PEG is polyethylene glycol. And polyethylene glycol comes from crude oil. So you're putting crude oil on your body. And what you're doing is you're creating a barrier a bad barrier because it doesn't allow your body to function properly. It messes up your sebum production, which you need. It messes up everything. Prickly pear, which is cactus flower, is very different. It's not a cover, a coat of oil over your face. So when you look at the back of your label, you see PEG or you see petrolatum or mineral oil. In my opinion, these are not good for your skin. I have to say, I have never been a person to wear any kind of skincare product, but the way Mike is describing this, I'm actually tempted to start well, giving it a shot just because it sounds like it feels so good. Well, I feel like it's important for me personally. I don't normally wear foundation. I find that the days that I do, and I've tried different ones, it saps my energy. It like seals my face off or something. So my skin can't breathe. I'm really excited to try this. Do you have a foundation or are these mostly moisturizers? And right now they're masks, cleansers, and moisturizers. Just okay. really basic. You, do, you don't need 16 step routines. It's, it's basic cleansing, basic treatment. And all of our products, by the way, are refillable. And that's one of the big things. When you buy a jar, you pop this out, you recycle 
the inside part, and then you buy a new refill, you put the refill inside. So you keep the jar, you keep the lid, and we save about 95% of the packaging that you typically have to buy. And all of ours is recyclable. And of course it's refillable. Most stuff goes, goes right into the landfill. Yeah. Based on what you said earlier, it's like a competition between the cosmetic companies to create packaging that's glitzy and glamorous and hopefully gets the eye of the consumer, but it's expensive and it's environmentally expensive for these kinds of, and this kind of packaging. And it adds to the costs of the cosmetics. And I love your approach. I think that may just makes so much sense. So we need to yeah. uh, get Kenya and Kim's comments in here. I think so. Kim, what do you think? I think this is fabulous. And the color, I know we're on radio, but the color is like eye candy. You know what the problem with most skincare is? It's white. And the mm -hmm. reason why it's a problem is it just means it's just overly synthetic and overly processed. My stuff, it's the color of nature, but it's powerful. You know, nature doesn't mean it's crunchy granola, it doesn't work. You know, it means that if you get the right ingredients and you formulate them correctly, you have some real powerful stuff. As creatures from nature, our body only recognizes things from nature. We don't recognize synthetic ingredients, whether ingesting it or putting it on our skin. So if you were to like put a piece of plastic in your body, it will come out right at the bottom. If you drink plastic, what's going to happen? It goes through your bloodstream and then your body's either going to reject it or your body is going to mutate from it. And that's what winds up happening. And that's why you have all these ingredients which are endocrine disruptors because your body doesn't know what this ingredient is and it just mutates around it rather than because that's how, well, what's else going to do with it? It doesn't recognize what it is. So natural is just so important. And I just tell people to stay away from the synthetic stuff. The yeah. other thing it does is it sticks it in your fat cells, right? So it stores toxins that it can't break down in your fat cells. That's exactly. not good either. Like, no, that's not good for business. So Kenya, Kenya, what do you think? Well, I think it's wonderful. I, I obviously have a million skincare things at home that I use. And I feel like my skin changes often and they don't work as good over a certain period of time. So what are your recommendations for the evolution of one's personalized custom skincare? Because I feel like there's really no one size fits all and skin does change pretty rapidly. It changes over time. You know, you go from having oily skin to combination skin to normal skin to dry skin. It changes season to season. And you have to see what works best with your skin as your skin changes. And there's a lot of myths about skincare. You know, when it, like right now, summertime, people said, I need to keep washing my face. No, you don't want to keep washing your face. If you wash your face too much, you're going to be creating more and more sebum, which means you're going to have more and more oily skin. You want to wash your face twice a day or after a big sweat. You don't want to use hot water. You want to use lukewarm water. You want to wash up. You don't want to use implements like washcloths or gloves or loofahs. That's the worst thing for your face. You want to use your fingers. Your fingers are your best tools ever. And then seeing what your skin needs. We have this one moisturizer. It's called the hydrator. And if you've got like oily skin, use a little bit. If you've got dry skin, use a lot of it. You know, it's, you layer it. There's ways to personalize it for your needs. But you don't need 20, 15, you know, 10 products. It's ridiculous. Well, I have to say I'm amazed because I never fully appreciate until this moment the universe of knowledge that is required to take care of a person's skin. Fascinating that there's uh, so much science behind it. How did you develop these products? Well, it started off, I was, I was inspired by my time at Burt's Beast, and I wanted to do something that was best for people and planet. That's where it started. What's best for people and planet? And I found a formulator, a young Indian woman who has some like, Ayurvedic training and said, how do we source the best ingredients from around the world? Irish moss, Chinese ginseng, 
turmeric, Mexican poppy stem cells, things like that, and then make it here in the US, which is important in a way that's great for the planet and best for your skin. And that's how we started. And if it's not the best product, I won't come out with it. And if it's not packaging which is sustainable, I won't come out with it. And we partner with 1% for the Planet and Leaping Bunny and Global Citizen, uh, NAACP. So we do a lot of work with other organizations to help you know, share the love, share the goodness. I noticed on your website, a blog post or a feature there about cruelty-free. You know, the thing about marketing, and I'm a marketing guy, is cruelty-free technically means they don't test on animals. So how do people get around it? They say they're cruelty-free in the United States, but they test in China. There's a lot of products which still to this day need to be animal tested in China. So cruelty-free typically means not test on animals. It does not mean that your product is vegan. So you can be cruelty-free and not be vegan. So if you've got in tallow, which is boiled animal fat, gelatin, which is boiled animal hooves, Keratin, which I mentioned, uh, lanolin, squalene coming from shark liver. There, there's so much stuff that comes from animals that are being put into our products. And to me, animals were not put on this planet to be put into our beauty products. You know, there's great coconut oil and watermelon oil and prickly pear. There's so many great natural plant-based ingredients. We don't need to kill animals to put them in our beauty products. I want to go back to caring about someone's skin. So Mike, you're a man in the cosmetics and beauty industry, and a lot of men need this. Guys always take comfort. Well, you know, we age gracefully. Yeah, but you want to keep your skin firm and supple. By the way, interesting fact, you know the difference between men's skincare women's skincare the price that's one fragrance is the other packaging is the third other than that there's no difference yeah i do think everybody needs to take care of their skin so where are you selling and how are you getting the word out about this how are you getting sales actually mostly word of mouth we're on amazon of course we sell d2c we're on skin store look fantastic a bunch of other places and we're in the marines there's a very big market in the armed services they have their own stores and they have discounts for all the people who are in the service and their spouses kim did you have any other comments (laughs) questions can someone go to your website in order are you doing it are you distributing and you're having other retail outlets sell it we sell on our website okay yeah and we also sell we do a lot of stuff on live stream selling like talk shop live shop shops uh, amazon live that's been a lot of fun telling our story and it's tough you know it's tough as a startup despite having 30 years in the business and knowing everybody when you're doing a startup that allows doors to open it doesn't mean you land the deal you know Mm -hmm. at the end of the day there's a million people launching skincare And what are you going to do that's different from everyone else? And I've always believed, having run small business and huge businesses, that as a small guy, you have to do things different in proportion to the degree that you're smaller. The smaller I am, the more different I have to be. Because if I do what the big guys do and just spend less money, it's recipe for disaster. So, you know, we're about to do an ad campaign, which I think is going to be incredibly provocative. And I think raise some eyebrows, probably in about a month. And I think that's going to be different and relevant. And that's what you need. So. What advice can you give other startups who are kind of in your spot right now? What experiences can you share with them, for example? I think that, you know, the one thing that Kim was saying before I really liked is listening to your gut. Your gut isn't mystical. It's the sum total of every experience you've ever had in your life that's spitting out into your ear and saying, well, the evidence says, you know, when you, when you were talking about the man doing your website, that's all your experience in your life telling you he's the right guy. And when you go against that, more often than you're going to be wrong. Every bad employee decision I've made in my career, on paper, the person was great. My instinct said no. I went with the paper and the paper was always wrong. Instincts are always right. So I say definitely, because also everyone's trying to give you a point of view, like you were saying before, Kim, and they don't necessarily have expertise. They might not be right. 
and they might not be even having the best intentions. When you go in, know it's going to cost, it's like building a house. It's going to cost you twice as much and take twice yeah. as long and cost twice as many headaches. It is not an easy thing. And you have to ask yourself, do I have the energy to do this every day, 12 hours a day, to do it while I'm on vacation and really love doing it? And if you don't, take a job, get the paycheck. It's a lot easier. It was funny. After we sold Bliss, I was fortunate to be in two exits. I was up and I did very well with that. I was offered a couple of jobs and I said, I'm not going to leave this planet as the CEO of this sneaker company or whatever. I got to do my own thing. You know, succeed or fail. I need to do my own thing. I get such joy from creating, like you were saying before, Kim, the joy of creating and building and trying things out. I'm loving it. And I, there's nothing I'd rather do. And my daughter works with me. So that is a blessing. And that's been great. We're just having the best time and we just want to change the world. That's all. Why not? I agree with you because when you're working in a big company, you may have a marketing department with experienced people, or you may have a finance department with experienced people. And when you're a small business person, you don't have those things. You have to find ways for that work to get done. And you do have to trust your intuition because it's a new product. It's a new experience. And maybe there are people that have gone before, but really you're out there on your own and it is intuitive. You don't have time to take customer surveys and do focus no. groups and all of that right. kind of stuff that other companies do to mitigate the risk of a new product launch. So you have to really rely on your intuition and gut for a long time. Yeah. If I could only tell you all the grief we got for starting Passage to Profit from people in the mm -hmm. entrepreneurial community, they were like, what are you guys doing? Spend your marketing money somewhere else. You're crazy. That was four years ago. And now everybody has a podcast, right? Right. So, so we yeah. took a leap of faith. I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. When I first was pitching this to the big retailers, they all said, love the product, love the name, but this refill thing, I don't know about refills. You know, it's like people aren't ready for refills. I said, well, they're not going to be ready if you don't carry it. Help lead change. You know the answer. Yeah. If you use my packaging, you'll save 66% of your own freight costs and 66% of your warehouse costs. So it's going to help you to help your customer. Refills will never happen. Refills will never happen. Three years later, all of a sudden, all these brands are starting to do refills and refills are now 40% of my business. So if I listen to them, I would have been just a great natural product in a regular jar. And thank God I stuck to my instincts. So we're going to have to take a break, but we'll be back with more Passage to Profit right after this. And Mike, really a fascinating story, awesome product. And we'll be back with more right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business, contact us at GearHeartLaw.com. At GearHeart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at GearHeart Law, www.GearHeartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer 
product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Wow. I mean, this is like just an incredible show. You can find it on our podcast tomorrow. You can also see what we were talking about on our YouTube channel, Passage to Profit Show. But now we are to the part of the show where we do a little bit of personalization. So we have a question that we ask everybody and we kind of do a roundtable discussion with it just for fun. It's a secret question. Our audience doesn't know it before we ask it. What is the last concert that you saw and was it any good and why? So should we start with Kim? The last concert that I saw was Jim Brickman and it was probably like two or three weeks before COVID. You know, it was one of those things that you look back on and you say to yourself, I'm really glad we went. You know, I'm glad we went out as much as we could because we didn't know we wouldn't be able to go out. But I have loved his music for, I don't even know, decades. And he was local. He came to my hometown, which is right outside of Boston. And he played in a small venue. So we're at the table and chairs and whatnot. And he was wildly entertaining, really interesting guy, and obviously a wonderful musician. So I thoroughly enjoyed that concert. So Kenya, have you gone to a concert lately? Well, I have the same scenario as Kim. So right before the pandemic, I think it was like maybe three, four weeks, I saw it was Wu-Tang Clan at Radio City Music Hall. I've wow. never seen them before. I've always wanted to see them. And I brought my son. And one of the things that I was intentional about was, was that I wanted to meet RZA, who is the most important member of the Wu-Tang Clan because he created the whole group. He's been the real entrepreneurial brain behind the brand and just having them blow up. And we got to meet him. Not only did I get mm. to meet him, he promised me an interview one of these days. So I have that card in my back pocket, but I went there being very intentional that I'd want to see more than just a concert. I wanted to make sure that I met him. Did you do that through connections or did you just no, behind I, the- No, it was stalking. You were stalking. Okay. <laughs> Celebrity stalking. Oh, my ah. son, you know, it was interesting though, because we were kind of stalking. We met somebody who was kind of hanging out like backstage, who was able to get us up to their dressing room. And it was just like, kind of not the place you want to hang out with your son, right? But... <laughs> <laughs> At least they knew you weren't a groupie. Well, or they're right. Son. You know, the thing is, they, they probably thought my son was like my bodyguard or something. So he's kind of good to have around, right? <laughs> so we kind of hung around, we stood around and like, it was cool because all the other, you know, members came in. And so there, this really nice guy who was their security guard was standing at the door. I said, listen, sir, I work for the radio station. I don't know if that means anything, but I really like to meet Riza. And he said, stand over there. So I stood over there for about maybe 30 minutes and he kept his word. He opened up the dressing room. He let me and my son go in. We had to wait a little while to talk to him. We met some other members of the group. It was surreal to just be standing there, but super nice guy. And um, no, no connections, just God's favor. And we got, it got us in the door. So intuition at work. So who did you see Mike? If DJs count, I I saw Mayan warrior about two weeks ago, Brooklyn Navy yard. And that's like, it's, I think it's a, I think it comes from Burning Man. It's a whole bunch of DJs. Uh. Talk about MDMA. I mean, it's just, when it comes to bands, I played a band in November. I had a band that we put together for Women's Wear Daily for the CEO Summit. They had this CEO Summit, it's a meeting of all the CEOs in beauty. 
uh, every year. I put a band together. This man and has editor, many talents. Yeah. yeah the, the former editor was Pete Bourne. He had this big white mustache. So I called the band Pete Bourne's Mustache. <laughs> we did we did some Foo Fighters and some Stevie Wonder and a whole bunch of other stuff. It was a lot of fun. And we did Parliamentary Funk and that was a lot of fun. But before that was LCD Sound System. And coincidentally enough, I'm actually about to buy plane tickets to see LCD Sound System play in Oakland and then in San Francisco because they put on an awesome, awesome show and so much fun. So you're following a band around. Huh? <laughs> I've never like a deadhead. <laughs> I got to, I haven't done that since I haven't done that since my college years following Frank Zappa around. So <laughs> LCD just I've seen them seven times, including once in Paris. And this is probably the best show. Good natured, fun, great music. Wow. Well, those are tough acts to follow. Did what I concert really have that? you seen lately? I think I um, know the answer to this. I, yeah. Well, we saw uh, Bare Naked Ladies, Jim Blossoms, and Toad the Wet Sprocket in Central Park a couple of weeks ago. And, summer stage. And summer stage. It, it was, was so fun. Very small, intimate, you know, maybe 500 people, 750. Perfect weather. They're still singing, you know, well, I actually happen to be kind of a Jim Blossoms fan, so I was really looking forward to seeing them. But Bare Naked Ladies was great, too. And, and so was Toad the Wet Sprocket. I mean, and, I really and, enjoyed yeah, the whole Yeah, they were really thing. tight. You know, Jim Blossoms were a little on the sloppy side, but Toad the Wet Sprocket good. and Bare Naked Ladies, oh, they were good. I could but, see Mike has to say something. Yeah. No, I, I'm just surprised I didn't hear about it. I would have seen that in a second. Yeah. It was on Summer Stage. We haven't really seen anything else we want to see on Summer Stage. We are going to Elton John at the Meadowlands at Giant Stadium. Right. Which will be a different experience because yeah. it's like this huge stadium. But Elton John always puts on an amazing I, show. I haven't seen him before. This is last chance. So. Right. Yeah, this is supposedly his last concert. He's 75. So, so uh, I'm pretty well, excited about that one. Too. He's amazing in concert. You'll love it. Great. So our guest was Kim Woods, intuitive business strategist, healer, oracle. She has done amazing things to help people tap into their inner power, their strength of intuition, and just blow their businesses out of the water. Kim Woods, K-I-M-W-O-O-D-S dot com. Look her up. I think she's taking clients now. So if you want to take it to the next level, talk to Kim. And then of course we had Kenya, our media maven, talk about power move. And then we had Mike and Dursky with hear me raw and it's hearmeraw.com. And he's just doing amazing things in the beauty industry. So yes. anyway, um, we have to go now for this week, but we'll return to this station next week with another episode of passage to profit. And before we go, I'd like to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, our <laughs> program coordinator, Alicia Morrissey, and our syndication manager, Mark Wilson. And our podcast can be found tomorrow, anywhere where you find your podcast. And remember, while we believe that the information in this show is correct. Always check with your legal professional before you take a legal step. If you step. want legal advice. That's so right. So this has been Passage to Profit, the road to entrepreneurship with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. See you next week. Mm -hmm.